ethnic socialism is what it really is. Racism is ethnic socialism. Ethnic socialism. They apply unfair barriers to people of different racial and ethnic groups based on preconceptions about those groups that prevent those groups from competing against them in a fair and open ecosystem. And mm. for doing that, they hobble those groups, but they also hobble their own group. Hmm. What the great thing is about actual racism is groups that don't punish it don't compete as well. And they end up falling apart. If you look at America and you look at the white populations, the white populations that were less racist economically have outperformed the white populations that were more racist. Hmm. To a T. Yeah. You look yeah, you're at right, aren't you? cultural groups and this is something you see. Racism is a self-extinguishing phenomenon when it is not entrenched in government law. That's mm. why I see the groups that are just like generically racist as less evil than the groups that enshrine racism in law with things like affirmative action. Mm. Because those groups are hurting themselves often more than they hurt the groups around them. Mm. And so it's like, ha ha ha, look at the idiot. Would you like to know more? Malcolm, you really piqued my curiosity the other day when you said racism was a lot like communism. What's going on there? Now, this is a fun topic. And it was inspired by comment video, Simone. By the way, love you. Excited to be talking to you again. Yeah, uh, where too, some people were like, yeah, but like, why is racism ethically wrong? Hmm. You know, so, so first we need to define what we mean by racism yeah, and what seriously. we consider racism. So some people consider racism as believing different ethnic groups are different. That mm -hmm. is stupid. And diversity has no value if we're not actually different. In a world in which everyone is secretly the same, there is no point in diversity, culturally, ethnically, anything like that. It's an aesthetic difference. And mm -hmm. that it's not, there's no superiority to a painting with more colors in it than a painting with less colors. Well, and furthermore, in, in such a world, which is optimal, it would also be ridiculous to pretend that there are no differences, right? And it's, you know, I, I think here's where it gets bad, okay? And okay. this is where I define racism. It's when you use intergroup differences to make decisions about individuals when you find out they're part of one group or another group, hmm. or to make decisions about how you interact with groups hmm. as a whole. This is very important to me. Like I, that, that you never allow knowledge of like, well, people like this are like like Catholics are like this, Jews are like this, it's just like groups like this. Like obviously, there are going to be statistical norms that are culturally even if, even if just cultural differences because different ethnic groups cluster within different cultural groups, and culture can influence uh, life outcomes. Of course, you're going to have different averages that differ between groups. And these averages can allow you to create prejudices, which allow you to more quickly make decisions about those groups often. This is what I am against, and this is what I consider to be a racist. But then there's the higher form of racism, which is the ultimate form of racism. And I think where you get into sort of pure evil, which is when you encode group differences into legal systems, or social systems in terms of how you deal with cultural outsiders. Ah, okay. So let's talk about why this is very similar to communism and why it is evil from our cultural perspective. Okay.
So there are many things that our culture values, but one of the highest value systems within our culture is intergenerational improvement. The core goal of every human being is to make kids that are better than them. It is a game in which you are always playing against your ancestors and yourself. It is a game in which you are consistently striving to not stagnate, where stagnation is the highest form of failure. A stagnant species, our pattern from our worldview, is completely pointless. It mm. is. It, it might as well not exist. If you think of it in terms of Conway's game of life, and I'll see if you get some video of this or something, a simple self-repeating pattern is as pointless as a, a pattern that ceases to exist because it is uninteresting. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is unmeaningful. Now, this is why when we see groups like the Nazis who are like, well, we need to go back to like a single Aryan white, they sort of see the perfect ethnicity as being something in the past yeah. that can be crafted and then is stagnant, yeah. which is actually very similar to the people who want to ban us from using genetic selection on our kids because they see us as like dirtying the human gene pool by like entering exogenous technology into our practices. They both mm. believe that there is a perfect version of humanity. It is either close to the existing version of humanity or, or in the past. And we can achieve it by limiting other groups, reproductive capabilities or exterminating other groups. So this is a form of stagnation to us. It is a form of evil to us, but even generic racism is, is the ideologically uplifting of stagnation as a concept. So the way that progressive groups, because prog progressive culture is, if you look at conservative culture, is it typically offers a lot of cultural amenities to people. It offers, you know, if you live in a very Christian community, they let, often have or very Mormon community or something like that. You know, if you're on hard times, it has systems for dealing with that. If you're old and food scarce, it has systems for dealing with that. If you're an orphan, they have systems for dealing with that. You know, and, and, and this often makes progressives angry. They're like, well, of course, like the Salvation Army exists and provides services for people, but they don't provide them to trans people. They, they enforce some of their cultural values when they're providing these services. And it's like, well, yeah, they do, okay? But they are able to motivate their average member to provide these services while you, progressive community, appears to be unable to do that without the threat of government force. Hmm. Well, because of this, if the progressive community wants to deconvert people into it, if it wants to convert people's kids because, you know, they're not having kids of their own, so they can only survive by converting the children of nearby healthy cultural groups. The way that they allow that to happen is they need to create government mandated alternatives to these social safety nets that are prevented by these variable cultural groups. Well, that is what communism is at the end of the day. Communism is a system in which the government is providing all of the social services, so socialism, communism, all that, so that there is no need to be in any of the disparate cultural groups. Communism mm. has always worked hand in hand with cultural genocide. That has always been the goal of communism is cultural genocide. It is to erase all of the differences between humans. It is to make all humans the same. And that is stagnation. So it racism is, is communism. Communism is racism. <laughs> 
Well, we haven't gotten to exactly how it's similar yet because I haven't okay. gotten to that. But it removes the need for intergroup competition. You know, you cannot have, you cannot have in one of these totally socialist states, it becomes much more difficult to say, well, you know, Jews seem to be economically outcompeting other groups. Maybe there's something we can learn from them or something like mm. that, right? Like to be more pointed, this form of racism is really just an outwards reflection of inwards cultural weakness. It is the signs of a dying culture. Strong cultures almost never hold these sorts of beliefs because they don't need to. It's the type of thing that people begin to grasp towards when they can see that they are being outcompeted and when they can see that they have begun to die. And I suppose just the weakness of it disgusts me. Seeing that sort of weakness in other people disgusts me. Like, mm -hmm. Because there's no reason to be in any of these cultural groups. And they try to erase all of the cultural differences between these groups. Mm -hmm. So you don't, you no longer get the competition. And it is competition that leads individuals and groups to attempt to improve themselves. And as they improve themselves, as the, and then people convert into the groups that are doing better or that have lifestyles that are, they have a competition of, you know, economic and cultural success and a cultural sense of, of oneness and cultural amenities. And, uh, you know, we had a friend who converted to Mormonism because it helped her find a, a husband. She's like, I just can't find a husband in, in the dominant cultural group I'm in, you know, and so I'm going to convert to Mormonism and they, I, they have these systems and it did. She found a husband and she's happily married and having kids now. Yeah, cultures convert people by offering these amenities and these systems that they offer. And that is actually one of the main reasons that people often convert to different cultures is they're like, yeah, but like people here are happier and they seem to be living wholesome, good lives. And that was not something I felt when I was growing up in, you know, the urban monoculture, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, it's harder and harder to convert people as the urban monoculture offers more and more services that these cultures are able to motivate people to sacrifice to create. Okay, so what communism is, the core reason it's evil, right, is it's not evil because it provides equality. It's evil because it removes the motivation for intergenerational improvement. Hmm. It's evil because it removes this grand game, which leads to our species improving itself, every generation improving. And and this is this is this is just it's such an important thing because you in the moment it makes life harder. But if you look at the technology that's been invented in our capitalist system, it has made even many times, you know, if you, I talk about a 10% American in terms of income. They live lives that are markedly better than like the King of England 200 years ago, 250. Totally. Yep. And, and that is wild. But that is created because of intergenerational improvement. Intergenerational yeah. improvement may take a while to raise some boats, but eventually it raises all boats. It is a obvious ethical good. Well... Racism is ethnic communism. People use racism and ethnic socialism is what it really is. Racism is ethnic socialism. Ethnic socialism. They apply unfair barriers to people of different racial and ethnic groups based on preconceptions about those groups that prevent those groups from competing against them in a fair and open ecosystem. And mm. for doing that, they hobble those groups, but they also hobble their own group. Hmm. 
when you do things that hurt other ethnic groups that prevent you from competing in a fair and open ecosystem, then you cannot see when cultures that cluster within your ethnic group are doing a bad job and you cannot intergenerationally improve. Oh, and so what you're saying is it makes people blind to room for improvement that they might have in their own culture because they're too exactly. busy being like, I'm so much better than you. More than being blind to room for improvement, it, it makes them blind to even the market forces of improvement. You know, you eventually have to learn how to improve your culture if it has to out be out competing in some metric, whether it's fertility rates or economically for it to still exist. Okay. And you see this ardently within racist groups. You look at the people who are like racist in our videos and you see this cluster uh, one, they need to feel just like axiomatically better than some cultural groups so that they feel like they're, their lives are meaningful in some ways, even if they're failures. So they're like, oh, well, you know, black people bad, my my group good. I am in some way good because I'm a member of that group. But then you can see the blindness as well. They'll look at something like Jews, right? Jews, uh, the boy, like a lot of Seth Rogan's guests are, are Jews. A lot of Nobel Prize winners are Jews. A lot of politicians are Jews. Oh, you mean Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. So, so you, you, you see Jews usually disproportionately represented in areas of success. And instead of asking the question that somebody would ask if they were not racist, mm. which is, what are Jews doing that I am not doing? Right. What can I, I learn from them? What can I steal from them? What can I adopt? Yeah. In the way that they are succeeding, mm -hmm. right? They instead ask the question that all racist groups ask, which is how are they cheating? How have they created a, a, a group, a, a, a system that is systemically making my group unable to outcompete their group. They are unable to admit to themselves that a group other than them may be outcompeting them. Oh, so it's, it's basically like a racial external locus of control. Exactly. It's a racial mm. external locus of control. So when you look at us and you go, well, this being true, what is the highest form of racism in our society? It mm. is, of course, affirmative action. Nothing uh. does more to systemically cause a, a group in our society to not intergenerationally improve mm -hmm. than affirmative action. Um, well, and, and also, I, I guess, to see the world through uh, an external locus of control rather than focus oh yeah. on like internal improvement. It is more racist than practices put in place by the most racist white supremacists, mm. the, the most racist existing Klan members, what the Democrats regularly put in place in terms of policy, because it intergenerationally keeps generates weakness. Poverty. Yeah, I guess, I mean, it, it sounds really bad, but so what you're saying is like, even like in the times of, of the worst forms of racism in the US, it did force no, I'm not like, saying that. The Klan used to be much worse than the left. I'm talking about the Klan today. Oh, the Klan I mean, outright oh, okay. murdering people, systemically keeping people down, that also prevents both them and you from moving forwards because you're not playing by the same rules. Mm -hmm. um, so, of course. And I think that this needs to be said alongside the statement that many ethnic groups within the U.S., particularly the Black and Native American populations in our country, have been systemically disadvantaged due to historic conditions. They yeah. are not starting from the same starting gun, Very but true. 
intergenerationally, you hurt them much more by systemically unevening the playing field and like BLM does, creating this external locus of control. Like mm-hmm. that is a form of meaningful, and in this ethnic external locus of control, of, 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 of meaningful racial oppression because it meaningfully and intergenerationally disempowers specific ethnic groups. Well, so what would you say to like, you know, the society at large that's like, okay, I hear you and I don't want to disempower people, but also like, it's so not fair that they're starting off on uneven footing. And like, how do we correct for that? Like, is there a way to both have an external locus of control for groups while still? I mean, I mean, the really insidious thing is these policies that are intergenerationally keeping down these minority groups that are starting from worse positions. Mm -hmm. They're all, being operated and promoted by white people who intergenerationally benefit the most from these practices, Mm. which is really disgusting that these individuals do this because they're, they're helping their own, you know, their own ethnic group over the, the other ethnic groups. And in so doing, feeling good about themselves, like they're Mm. being uh, these great, Oh, benefactors. Oh, it's very, it, it, it feels so much like that poem that noble savage i'm sorry the what is it called the white man's burden poem oh. you know oh well i just must help uplift these it's so disgusting it's so disgusting but to you what you're saying you're saying okay well what do i say to people who are like yeah but it's very unfair yeah well here's the thing society is unfair i'm yeah. i'm sorry about that the way it treats attractive people versus unattractive people the way is 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 horrible the way it treats people born to rich families versus mm. poor families is mm horrible but why have we elevated this one form of unfairness over all other forms of unfairness Mm. Uh, it makes no sense it's not ethically correct in an ethical society we would say well whenever you try to treat one ethnic or cultural group special it always ends in tragedy yeah tragedy for everyone in that what we need to do is to create a system that even if it's less fair in the moment can lead intergenerationally to an eventually fair society. Now, mm-hmm. let's be clear. What does fair mean? It does not mean everybody wins. Mm-hmm. Okay. It does not mean everyone is equal. Mm-hmm. It means that everyone is given the same shot and same pressures to intergenerationally improve. So by this, what we mean is, like, yeah, I mean, if you wanted to create, and, and this is something that, that society doesn't talk about, but if you wanted to like ethnically normalize society, so if you're going to dis- divide society into ethnic groups and then say, okay, well, we're going to put penalizations on different ethnic groups based on how successful they are. Okay. Well, you know, whites wouldn't be at the top of that totem pole in America. There are many ethnic groups which out earn white people and, 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 uh, yeah, so you would what normalize it and, and penalize them? That's sick. That's disgusting. I I I I I am genuinely morally repulsed by that. The idea of saying some other group should be punished because they're out earning white people, and yet uh, that is the logical conclusion of this sort of system, right? Mm. So if you can create a system that is intergenerationally fair, right, in terms of of competition, eventually within a few generations, everyone. Uh, should be able to come back as long as actual racism is being punished. But actual racism, what the great thing is about actual racism is groups that don't punish it don't compete as well. And they end up falling apart. If you look at America and you look at the white populations, 
the white populations that were less racist economically have outperformed the white populations that were more racist hmm. to a T. Yeah. You look yeah, you're at right, aren't you? cultural groups and this is something you see. Racism is a self-extinguishing phenomenon when it is not entrenched in government law. That's mm. why I see the groups that are just like generically racist as less evil than the groups that enshrine racism in law with things like affirmative action because mm. those groups are hurting themselves often more than they hurt the groups around them. Mm. And so it's like, ha ha ha, look at the idiot that, you know, shooting themselves in the foot. Like it's, it's funny. It's funny because it's wrong. Ain't that cute, but it's wrong. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, this checks out that racism hurts people who are like the perpetrators and the receiving end of it. And it is surprisingly similar to communism. <laughs> on on a couple ethno, is it, is it, Racism is ethno-socialism. But <laughs> to be clear, from our definition of racism, the Democratic Party is the core, the Democratic Party and the social movements that they support are the core sources of racism in this country. And they are the core perpetrators of racism in this country. Right. You know, every racial pride rally or something like that. Now you can say, well, I want to create, and this is what we would support. So I really support sub-racial cultural groups. Okay. So what does that mean? So a population, let's say American Blacks, right? they may say we have a problem in our communities, right? Like I can see like black on black violence in the problem or something like that. And we can fix it by creating new cultures for our community that are meant to address these problems. But we want these cultures to differentially be of utility to people in our community because due to their social background, you know, due to being a black person in America, they are going to better be able to understand and assimilate with the culture that we're building. Mm. Okay. I have no problem with that. And I actually support that. I have no problem with the fact that Jews sort their culture in part based on who your parents are. Mm. Like, that it's going to be like, if our kids wanted to convert to Judaism, they'd have a very easy time because they're matrilineally Jewish. And people would be like, well, that seems like wrong. Like people know, like I have differences with Jewish group. I think there's, there's, there's things that they do wrong. But I, uh, I don't think that that is one of them. I don't think that saying our culture is an ethnically locked culture, but we treat outsiders as equal. That's totally fine. So mm. if you have a black cultural group with like Kwanzaa and stuff like that, and they're like, yeah, we are an, an ethno-cultural group and they want to have pride rallies and stuff like that, that is all things that I think are perfectly hunky-dory and there is nothing unethical about that at all. So mm. long as they don't frame other cultural groups is axiomatically worse than them. Okay, um, so you're for pride, but you aren't for like outgroup hatred. Right, so there's a big difference between you know some of these uh, intra-black cultural group pride rallies where um, it's a cultural group within the black community where blackness is part of their core identity and they're doing a rally than something like a BLM rally, which is well, for all black people, but only because they're black. It doesn't I'm matter thinking what about other, are. like we'll say control cultures. I'm thinking about sports teams, for example. And I think it's really hard to like have a lot of pride for your sports team, but then to not be like that other sports team. Like, do you think it's possible to have yes. pride while simultaneously holding respect for other groups, for out groups? Yes. Hmm. Jews do it all the time. 
and I'm sorry, some people might not like know a lot of Jewish people or not have a lot of like like hung out inside like Jewish people when they're being very honest about what they think of outside groups. But they, I guess, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, they, they do show a lot of respect for like, oh yeah, I love what this group does. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's totally doable. It's totally fucking doable. It, it, a lot does, of Does anyone do it aside from Jews? Catholics? Not the Catholics in America, not this weird integralist nonsense in the US. I'm talking about historic Catholics. They, they don't do it with the people they're currently in conflict with, but they typically do it much better with groups that they're not in conflict with. With groups they're assimilating? Because that's all I'm thinking about right now. So look at the Catholic group. I mean, they typically didn't see like Protestants as that much better than like native groups and stuff like that. They, they have a equal level of disdain and discomfort with all cultural groups that aren't theirs. Okay, but that's different from and being proud of your own right group and respectful. How antagonistic those groups are to them. Okay. Like an avowed Satanist or or Wiccan or something like that. But that's because those groups are like actively in conflict with each other. Mm. You know, most Protestant groups are actually very good at this. Calvinists historically have been very good at this. Historically, Calvinists really did not see like they would be like, okay, this cultural group has problems competing in this way or this way, mm. but obviously everyone is wretched, us especially, but we're just a little less than other people it is not wrong for a cultural group to say people of our cultural group are different than people of other cultural groups but when you tie that to an ethnicity i think that that or when you begin to rank other cultural groups outside of your group against each other and then treat them based on that that becomes a big problem socially speaking because it means that your group doesn't need to improve as much yeah. um so it's okay like for example to disproportionately like if you are within one of these black separatist groups right Mm -hmm. and and they have like a distinct culture and you are disproportionately rewarding other members of that black separatist group that is totally okay like totally ethical but when you start rewarding other people who are outside of that group just because they're black that's totally unethical um yeah, that makes sense so it's 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 okay to have some level of cultural isolation and even to be culturally ethnically locked now our cultural group isn't ethnically locked like i would invite people in from from other ethnicities i don't care but but you don't have a problem with people uh, having. I don't have a problem. I don't think it leads to evil every time. Yeah. Um, and again, I, as I, long I, as there's respect for outside groups. Yeah. Again, I would point to Jewish groups as an example. This doesn't lead to evil every time. You can have multicultural societies uh, like we had in early America that lived alongside each other. Um, but usually that happens when a symbiotic cultural group is the one in power. It becomes less likely when a dominating cultural group is the one in power, which we've talked about in other videos. Uh, something that people often miss is America was founded and the majority of at least the white population in the country during the founding was the Calvinist cultural group, which did not believe that everyone could join it or everyone was meant to join it. So they didn't have conversion, conversion as a big part of their mission statement, mm. uh, which meant that they were like, okay, with being Catholic because they were like, well, you were born to go to hell. So whatever. You know, or, or Jewish people, you know, you were born to go to hell, whatever. Like, we don't need to convert you as a state. Like, we're okay working alongside you, which is, you know, not dissimilar from Jewish culture groups. They're also a symbiotic cultural group. They're like, yeah, well, not everyone's meant to be Jewish. So they're, they're usually, but when you have a cultural group that thinks that anyone can convert or anyone can be a member of their cultural faction, like the progressives or like some other Christian denominations, when they become the majority faction in an environment, they often will try to use government apparatus to commit cultural genocide and force the conversion of people who are different from them, which 
ultimately ends up weakening those societies as we've talked about in other videos you know if you're talking about fertility rate or economics or really anything typically more diverse societies seem to be doing better and seem to do better historically but the reason is is because the diversity leads to competition Mm-hmm. The diversity of economic situations, the diversity of ethnic groups, and the recognition of and the diversity of cultures, and the recognition that this diversity is meaningful, but that ultimately you're only competing with yourself and your ancestors, not with the other, not with the yeah, other. Yeah, but it's good to like see what other people do and compare notes. Speaking of comparing notes, actually, not at all. It is time for us to play with our kids. Oh, but I have so much fun talking to you, but I have so much fun playing with them. You know know. what our viewers haven't seen in a while is any after video shorts because I stopped getting them from you. Because I've given up on life. (laughs) No, just kidding. I will. Yeah, I will get back to editing them when. No, I understand. It's really hard. Things are really It's hard. not hard. It's just that, you know, we we always yes and everything. And then that means we go over capacity sometimes. And that's where we are right now. Yeah, we're, we're unfortunately working without Greece at the moment because we <laughs> took on a few other really big projects. <sighs> oh, but, you know, the world needs to be saved and we appear to be the only ones putting in the effort. So that's <laughs> That's the end goal with all of this. Everyone's like, why do you do so many things? And I'm like, well, are you going to do it? And they're like, no. Well, that's fucking why. Because someone needs to be fixing. The new one that got added to our plate is one of our viewers reached out about donating to us. And we've been talking about a project that I'm really excited about to potentially create a uh, charter city. Um, well, yeah, we, and we're also prepping to run for office. We have to go get our kids, though. So, uh, and tomorrow do that. you're going to a running for office event. Yeah. So, I love you. I, Goodbye. We go go you. get the kids. I love you so much. We got to okay, keep focused. I love you. Bye. Yes. <laughs> Bye.